All right, guys, it's that time of year again. Time to do another Halloween bracket. And just before we get into things, I want to ask a quick question to you guys. Are you excited to talk about Halloween kills again? Is that what we're doing today? Yeah, I just wanted to do a quick little swap out. You know, I'm going to replace one of my picks with Halloween kills. You guys down? Uh, shit. Big John, no! <laughs> What's up, everybody? Don't worry, no Halloween kills talk here. Welcome back to another episode of the Arnie's. We are three trick-or-treaters with nothing better to do. I'm Matt Johnson, and I would let Sarah Jessica Parker put any spell she wanted on me. I'm Keith Baker, and I really thought Calibar was going to be a good guy. And I'm Austin Terry, and I can't believe Michael Keaton went from Beetlejuice to Batman. On today's show, we'll be returning to our dearly beloved bracket format, this time to answer the age-old question, what is the best Halloween movie. But before we get into all that good stuff, Austin, are there any recent episodes our audience should be checking out? Yes, there is, Matt. Just this past week, we finally got to check out Denis Villeneuve's highly anticipated sci-fi epic, Dune. We had a great time breaking that one down. The visuals are incredible. The sound design's fantastic. All the performances are amazing. And we have some big news, guys. Earlier this week, Dune was greenlit for part two. It makes a lot of our episode obsolete <laughs> listening back to it. It's like, I mean, I just don't know if this one works without the other one. And we might never get it. And then like two days later, they <laughs> it's like, dang it. <laughs> but yes, not only is today special since Dune has been announced, but we are back to the bracket format. And there's actually a little bonus special announcement. This is actually also our first round two. So last year we did a Halloween bracket where we pitted 12 movies against each other to see what would come out on top, and this year we have done that kind of same thing again, but with 12 new movies. So this year's twist was we decided to set some Halloween movie subgenres. So we each submitted one scary movie, a classic movie, a kid's movie, and a horror comedy. So Austin and Keith, how about you tell me a little bit about what went into selecting those movies, as well as your overall experience watching these in preparation. Yeah, this was an interesting uh, selection criteria. Like you said, Matt, we did the genres. Um, and as you guys know, for example, with classic and kids, I don't seek out old movies very often. I don't watch a ton of kids movies anymore. So for those two, I just kind of went off of movies that I have seen in the past and remembered enjoying. And it was interesting to go into this bracket because I wasn't sure if they were going to hold up or not. Um, and then as for the comedy, I went with one of my just kind of all time favorite movies in general. And then for scary, I actually sought out, I did a bunch of research on scary movies that are like universally considered to actually be scary that I had never seen before. So that's kind of how I went into this one. Yeah, I'm pretty similar to you, Austin. I mean, as far as my kids, I just chose one that I had seen a lot as a kid on Disney Channel, uh, would watch it every year for Halloween. And then going with my comedy, uh, same thing. It's something I would watch every year. I would even watch this one when it was not Halloween time. And then going with my scary and my classic, those two uh, were movies I had not seen that much. And I went and rewatched them before I added, added them to the, the bracket just to make sure I was still kind of feeling the same way about them. And then rewatched them again, obviously, just to kind of prepare my thoughts for the bracket. So it sounds like we all kind of picked in the same way. It's just kind of the subgenres were all different. So like you guys talked about which ones that you knew for sure you were going to do. And then also maybe you hadn't seen in a while. I was the same way, just with some different ones. So, for example, for the kids one, I picked one that I loved as a kid, hadn't seen in a while, and is just iconic. I just went with 
the most iconic one I could think of when it came to like a Halloween kids movie. I'm sure when we talk about it, people will go, okay, that makes sense. But for scary and classic, I was like, well, kind of like Austin said, but just for a different subgenre, I don't really seek, you know, these out. I like Halloween movies, but I'm not really often looking to be super, super scared. So what can I do? So I also did some research and I found one that seemed like it would be a little bit different um, and people seem to agree with scary and I picked that. And then for the classic, I went with one that I've always wanted to watch, but for whatever reason, I've never seen it literally ever. Haven't seen a single frame of it. So submitted that. And then for comedy, I picked a recent favorite. So not like an all timer, but just one that I thought would kind of be different because it's so new. And there we go. Yeah. So it kind of sounds like we all at least tried to make an effort to uh, be different than last year and do some different submissions. I think the more brackets we do, we get kind of better at that in general. We kind of come up with some better picks, some of the less obvious ones. But then there's like a good mix of like, okay, I mean, that's a classic. That's iconic. You got to have that in there. So I honestly think maybe out of any bracket we've done, this 12, this lineup right here might be the most solid. Very, very good. I had an overall pretty good time watching these, of course. As usual, there's some that don't really work, but for the most part, I got to say, really, really enjoyed it. And I would even tease that there's one masterpiece in here. And I know we're kind of already organically talking about it, but this is where things are going to get interesting because we're talking about the best Halloween movie. And I think despite the fact that we picked a lot of really good movies here, I'm not sure if all of them fit that. But I think that's okay. If we get further down the line here, maybe we just end up deciding, you know what? This movie's too good to pass up. Maybe it's not as much as a Halloween movie. I'm going to vote for it. So I want to open this conversation up to criteria. So last year we talked about, you know, is it kind of scary? Is it fun? Is it Halloween-y? That was really it. This year, since we're doing it by subgenre, is there anything that sticks out to you? Like for you to vote for something to win, does it have to have something? Let me know. Here's what I think we need to do, and this might make it a bit more complicated as we get towards the end of the bracket, but we have intentionally grouped our matchups today by genre. So I think for the early phases of this bracket, we need to be deciding the best classic movie, the best comedy, the best scary movie, and the best kids movie. Okay. And then as we get into those semifinals and those finals, that's when I think the conversation should shift more to what is the best Halloween movie of like these this. good comedies, of these good scary movies. That works for me. I, I never thought to do it that way, but I think that might make the most sense. That was kind of what I was alluding to is that might help us get rid of the issue of some of these just don't feel as much like Halloween movies. So if we did it like that, then the further down, it'll make more sense. So I'm game with that if you guys are. Yeah, sounds good to me. I say we don't waste any more time. I say we just roll that music right here and let's decide the best Halloween movie part two. All right, so finally, before we get started here, we won't be repeating any of the movies we submitted last year. So, if you're curious about our thoughts on The Grudge, Saw, Evil Dead 2013, Insidious, El Orfanato, Hereditary, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween 1978, Scream, The Conjuring, It Chapters 1 and 2, or The Shining, go back to that episode and see what we thought. But with that, let's leave the past behind to get into this. Keith, how about you let the audience know about our one-seaters today? Our one-seaters for today are Hocus Pocus for the Kids Branch, The Cabin in the Woods for Horror Comedy, Poltergeist for the Classic Side, and The Exorcist for the Scary Part of the Bracket. 
With that out of the way, let's go ahead and get started with the wild card round. So let's go ahead and get into the kids' side of the bracket to start. So first and foremost, we have Gremlins from 1984, directed by Joe Dante. It stars Zach Galligan, Phoebe Cates, Hoyt Axton, Francis Lee McCain. And did you guys know that Howie fucking Mandel is the voice of Gizmo in this? I did not know that. (laughs) Uh, And this one follows a young man who receives a strange creature as a pet. He's given very simple rules not to break with them. He proceeds to break every single one and dooms his entire town to a race of perverted monsters on Christmas Eve. And Gremlins is going up against Halloween Town from 1998. It is directed by Dwayne Dunham and stars Debbie Reynolds, Kimberly J. Brown, and Judith Hogue. When a young girl living with her secret witch mother learns she too is a witch, she must help her grandmother save Halloween Town from evil forces alongside her absolute piece of shit little brother. <laughs> there you go. And he really is. <laughs> powers? What powers? Oh, God. <laughs> All right, guys. So already we're kind of in a fun spot. Halloween Town, I mean, at least for me, I think, Keith, you're implying that classic Halloween movie to watch when we were kids. I feel like all of the Disney Channel original movies are super weird to watch when you're an adult. They just, in terms of their pacing and storytelling. And quality. and Yeah, and they're just so weird. But here's the thing. Already, I can't believe we're already this early and we're getting to this. Gremlins is, to me, unquestionably a better movie. But I forgot. <laughs> I mean, it's a Christmas movie. Well, this is an interesting conversation, because just like The Nightmare Before Christmas last year, we have to decide, is this film a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie? I would throw it out there. I want to get Keith's thoughts, but I feel like Gremlins is more of a Christmas movie. Like, I guess when you bring that up, Nightmare Before Christmas, I can understand the argument. For me, Gremlins is a Christmas movie, but I think it's a way better movie than Halloween Town. So I'm already kind of like, what do I do here? Keith, what do you think? Yeah, I'm in agreement that it's a better movie. <laughs> but as far as Halloween movies, no, it's it's definitely a Christmas movie, though. Man, this is the first time I've ever watched Gremlins, and I was... Really? Ooh. It kind of had that Christmas story feel to it, but with these monsters. That's kind of how it felt. That's like it what definitely I had love that, about it. Yeah, it definitely had that Christmas kind of warm, like, small town feel. The monsters come in, and that's when it kind of gets a little crazy. Yeah, like violent, even. Yeah. Kind of violent, but I kind of liked it. It was entertaining. Um, but I don't know if it's I don't know if it's quite a Halloween movie though. Gremlins is one of those movies where I just think it's so much fun. Uh, Keith, the the monsters you said you mentioned it gets a little crazy. That's what I love about Gremlins. I think it's so funny that it's this like kind of creepy movie, but set to Christmas themes, like set to Christmas music, like all those weird elements coming together to make this movie is what I love about it so much. Halloween Town, though, definitely does have that, like, Halloween spirit for the movie. Which is important. Yeah. Yes. Definitely important. Very important. Just to be positive on Halloween Town as well, from my end, I thought there was some cool bits of lore. Debbie Reynolds, I mean, she's super fun to watch in anything. I did think the movie really loses steam in the second half after the mom and grandma are frozen out of nowhere. I did think the first half was pretty solid, you know, for what it is, at least. And I was also I also made a note that I thought they were going to lean into the fact that Marnie isn't a witch and only her little sister is because we literally see her little sister do magic constantly, but they didn't. And then they also at the end, it's like, Grandma, you can come live with us. I thought that was weird because her grandma loved Halloween Town and everybody else didn't. So I thought it was weird that like the big catharsis was, 
okay, Grandma, you can leave the one place you love and feel comfortable and come live with us. And she's happy about it. Just because I don't know if Halloween Town's going to continue on. I'm not sure how you guys are leaning. I just wanted to call out some notes. And of course, the brother is literally awful. <laughs> I also do think that Halloween Town, towards the second half, like you said, Matt, it does kind of lose the thing that makes it special. Like for me, what makes Halloween Town special is like, discovering all the Halloween elements of Halloween Town, yeah, which is flying around, magic, all that stuff. And you don't get that sense of discovery in the second half of the movie. The final point I would bring up, I don't know how I'm leaning, but just more of a question opposed to you guys. Not only is Gremlins potentially not a Halloween movie, but is it a kid's movie? Like Keith, you and I were kind of implying. I came prepared for this question. It's a cla- Okay, good. Because it's a classic kid's movie. I love it. Spielberg was involved, Chris Columbus was involved, it has those vibes. And then when things turn a little bit, and things get a bit more violent, and then the evil gremlins come out, and people are being blown up in a microwave, teachers are being murdered, it begs the question, is this a kid's movie? <laughs> so I did some research before we recorded okay. this, because I okay. submitted Gremlins without like looking anything up. When we decided we were doing kids, my first choice was Gremlins immediately. But yes. then afterwards, I went and looked, because I had that same question after watching it. If you look at any list that says great Halloween movies for kids, Gremlins is on every single one of them. I would show it to my kid. Despite my question, I would show it to them. They probably would be scarred, but I still would make them watch it. We're trying to determine the best kids movie here. We'll get to the Halloween element later. But I still would say in the beginning rounds, having a Halloween element is, you know, that's a plus. So Austin, take it away. Let's vote. What do you think? Gremlins or Halloween Town? My vote's going to be for Gremlins here. I think it is just overall a better movie than Halloween Town. And then also it does have these kind of creepy monsters, which does do just enough to add to the Halloween spirit for me. Halloween Town, I still think you get that great nostalgia for, but I do not think it's as good a movie as Gremlins is. Well, I agree with what you said, Austin. I think I do have to vote for Halloween Town. I think it is more of a nostalgic Halloween movie. I just get more in the Halloween spirit when watching Halloween Town. Did I enjoy watching this movie? Some parts, yeah. And then other parts, I was like, gosh, I can't wait for this to be over. But <laughs> but as a kid, I can definitely see it still being like a good kid Halloween feel movie. Like they're trick-or-treating at the beginning. Obviously, they go to this place called Halloween Town where everybody's wearing like pumpkin heads. There's goblins. Just the characters and, and all the things that they're playing that pertain to Halloween is in there. When I watch... Gremlins, like I said, it gives me more of that Christmas story feel. It just doesn't give me that that scary, supernatural Halloween feel to it, if that makes sense. So that's, and it's kind of tough to call because these are both kids' movies. So if I have to choose one, I'll choose Halloween Town. Halloween Town was a nice trip down memory lane. I think because Gremlins, though, does have those Christmas elements, it kind of just gets me ready for the holiday season. And to me, like, Halloween is the start of the holiday season. You mentioned, like, kind of putting yourself in, like, kids' shoes there. I can distinctly remember watching Gremlins as a kid and it doing enough to be fun for me, but then also still creep me out like just enough as a kid to where like I didn't want to go to bed that night. So it has both those elements for me, which really work. I think Halloween Town is the better kids movie. I think it's the better Halloween movie, but Gremlins, I think, is just unquestionably a better movie. And Austin did a good job selling me on it does have like individual creepy elements it has individual good moments for kids so i feel like i'm already almost kind of breaking with my own criteria but even though i don't think it is that much of a halloween movie i think i have to vote gremlins Ugh, i feel kind of weird about it 
But all right, there we go. I have to I have to lock it in and commit to it. Well, Gremlins will go on to face Hocus Pocus in round two. So let's go ahead and move on to the horror comedy side of things. First and foremost, Keith, start us off. All right, we have Beetlejuice, which came out in 1988, directed by Tim Burton, starring Alec Baldwin, Gina Davis, Winona Ryder, and Michael Keaton. A recently deceased couple inadvertently becomes the ghost haunting their former home. Oh yeah, and Michael Keaton shows up a few times to kind of do the same thing. And we have Freaky, a newer release, came out last year in 2020, directed by Christopher Landon. This one stars Catherine Newton and Vince Vaughn. It stars Jimmy Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan as a mother and daughter, respectively, whose bodies are switched by a mysterious and magical Chinese fortune cookie. Shit, wait, sorry. Uh, swap, swap them out for Catherine Newton and Vince Vaughn. One is a serial killer, that's right, and the other is a potential victim. So for both these movies, it was my first time seeing either one of them. Whoa. Obviously, I don't, I'm not surprised about Freaky, but Beetlejuice, interesting, yeah. Kind of already talking about like connections to Gremlins and kids' movies. I mean, Beetlejuice is one that I remember for a long time. So how about you start us off then, Austin, since a very seminal film, your first watch, what'd you think? Yeah, I'm kind of worried about myself because I think I'm starting to like old movies, which goes against my whole entire brand because I loved Beetlejuice. It's great. Despite the fact that it hasn't aged very well, this yes. movie's a blast. <laughs> Agreed. But it's really good still. Yeah, I agree with you. Love Beetlejuice. Michael Keaton, I think he's just so funny in it. Um, plays such a good part. And then same with Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis. They're, yeah. They play like the perfect couple. So oblivious to how it works whenever they're in, like, in this weird purgatory kind of state. That's what I like about it. Me too. Yeah, I like my the favorite fun part. ghosts. And I also like the fact that even though this is an older movie, the acting doesn't have that old movie feel. Like, the acting itself still feels like a modern movie. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you guys. Like I said, Beetlejuice is one that I remember from when I was a kid, and I haven't watched it in a really long time, but I was really impressed by the filmmaking, the storytelling, and the acting. Like Austin said, it feels very modern somehow for a movie from the late 80s, and super enjoyable. The Tim Burton vibe in this one, I think, is just off the charts in such a great way just so specific and it looks great before we kind of bring freaky into the discussion the only thing that i would say so really my only negative but i don't think this is like a nitpick for me it's not like i'm reaching i kind of referenced it in the intro there watching it now as an adult the titular beetlejuice element is a little weird in how he's handled in the sense that like if you think about the premise it's like alec baldwin and gina davis just recently died, they're ghosts, new people are moving in, they're trying to scare them off. They find this whole afterlife weird uh, waiting room where you can get an agent who will teach you how to scare people. That happens on their own. And it's like, okay, so I guess we'll figure out how to scare people. Then they up their game, keep doing that. Oh, but wait, we formed kind of a cool relationship with the daughter who can see us. This is cool. How does this work? And then it's like, oh, wait, yeah. Also, there's Beetlejuice who's also there. And despite the fact that Michael Keaton's great, I never feel like he fits well into the plot at all until like the last few minutes. He's so funny. He's so good. But it does feel like a weird afterthought for being the title character for me. It's my only negative. Yeah, for me, it worked just because I, I like the fact that they realize they're not good at being scary. And so they try to reach out to the yeah. person that scared them. So then with that, we'll talk about Beetlejuice more, I'm sure. But Austin, you yourself said Beetlejuice for an older movie felt kind of modern. So how do we compare against something that not only is kind of modern, but super modern. It came out in the COVID-19 pandemic, freaky, 
kind of a twisted take on the Freaky Friday idea. What'd you guys think of this one? I thought this one was fun. I enjoyed kind of like the slasher elements for that one. I think this movie's better than it has any right to be because it really is just parodying Freaky Friday. Yeah. Um, but I think the only reason this movie is good is just solely because of Vince Vaughn. I think he's great in this one. He's so funny seeing him play like a teen girl. Um, for me, it makes the movie really work. But the only aspect of this movie that works is Vince Vaughn as the lead, if that makes sense. Uh, watching this one for the first time. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I was laughing a lot. Like you said, Austin, Vince Vaughn really brings like the Vince Vaughn-ness to it. Him acting as like teenage girl just cracked me up the entire time. Making out with a teenage boy, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> a weird but also kind of sweet high school romance moment despite the fact that it's Vince Vaughn. <laughs> the teenage boy was like, I don't care that you're a man. I'll, I'll make out with you anyway. <laughs> his hand covers his entire face. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. And there's also some like kind of like creepy moments too though. It's also way gorier than I remember expecting mm. when I first watched. Like the whole opening sequence of him going through the house killing the high schoolers feels very scream in terms of like the vibe and then how violent it ends up being. Um, it's funny, I would actually disagree. Of course, Vince Vaughn's great, but I think him playing kind of a silent serial killer and then for the most of the movie playing, um, you know, a teenage girl, while that's a weird thing to say, it's like, I've seen that from him. He's great at it, but I really like Catherine Newton because I feel like she adhered herself so well to the audience in the beginning before the switch. So you kind of really get to feel good feel for that character. But then watching her switch bodies, like, I don't know, I believed it right away. Watching her play the Vince Vaughn serial killer. It's super creepy, super cool. Watching her confront her woodshop teacher, murdering him was like, oh, geez. So she was the standout for me. Obviously, you know, there's two leads, so it's not like there's a lot to choose from, but I, I really thought she deserved a big shout out too. Yeah, I think for me, Freaky just doesn't do anything new. I mean, literally it doesn't, yeah. Yeah, I know where it's going. Um, And, and for me seeing Beetlejuice for the first time, like you said, it's, it's Tim Burton to the max and Kind of every moment of that film is surprising. I'd agree. Despite the fact that I submitted Freaky, um, and I really do love it, I think it's such a cool, fun take on the Freaky Friday idea. It sounds like it's time to vote. It sounds like maybe we're all going to be unanimous. I'll go ahead and start because I know where Austin's going. At least that'll be two out of three, unless, Keith, you agree. Uh, Beetlejuice. It's a classic for a reason. I Like I said, I have some issues with it in terms of how they handle the title character. Just seems forcing at times, but it's awesome despite that. The bongo scene alone puts Beetlejuice ahead. My vote's for Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Oh, come for your daughter, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> it's showtime. <laughs> Beetlejuice will go on to face the cabin in the woods. All right, guys. This might be my most anticipated side of the bracket. It's time to get into classic movies. Not much of a stipulation here. As long as the movie was 20 years older or more, we let it slide, so we're good. Here we go. Start us off. All right, so the first film is The Thing from 1982, directed by John Carpenter. It stars Kurt Russell, Keith David, and Wilfred Brimley, and it follows a kind man named Kurt Russell as he hopelessly watches all his friends be killed and assimilated by an extraterrestrial life form. The good news is Keith David always had his beautiful voice, even as a young man. And we have that going against Jeepers Creepers, starring Gina Phillips. And Justin Long. A trip home from college goes wrong when Trish and her brother Derry are run off the road by a serial killer creature. That's what you get for living in Florida. Jeepers. Creepers. Where'd you get those, Where'd you peepers? Get those peepers? 
Okay, Matt, I believe this was your first time watching Jeepers Creepers. And before we get into this discussion, I do just want to say, I know Jeepers Creepers has not aged very well. This is one of those movies, though, that I remember seeing it as like a seven-year-old and being like scared out of my mind. So that's why I submitted it for this bracket. I, I have seen Jeepers Creepers before once, and I will say watching it this time, it's interesting to hear you say it hasn't aged well. I think there are some kind of standout weird moments for sure. Um, just the subject matter in general kind of leaves some questions and the whole lore aspect. But that being said, I really feel like the way they just throw you into the story, it's just a couple minutes in and we're already kind of into it. There's very little preamble, which I appreciate. Uh, we kind of know the brother and sister dynamic super quick and just getting run off the road, as weird as it sounds, that alone is kind of scary in the way it happens. And then taking that premise and turning it into what it becomes, like it's just this serial killer. It's like, oh wait, no, now it's actually also this like immortal creature. Like, holy shit, what's going on? And by the end, I got to say, there's tons of scares. It's super creepy. So sure. Yeah, there's stuff that doesn't hold up for me as well. But overall, you know, I think it's a pretty good movie. I do think the first act of Jeepers Creepers is still incredible to die. Oh, it yeah. builds tension so well. There's this sense of like, oh, shit, what's going to happen when that car comes back? They're doing the right thing by like investigating and like they call out. It's like, if it was me getting thrown down the pipe, wouldn't you want someone to pull over and check? And it is very creepy and very tense. It's just a lot of the props have, don't hold up. And when you actually see the creeper, it gets marketably less scary. Um, but the first act, I think by not seeing anything and kind of letting the theater of the mind play out, it's really creepy. I totally agree. I, it still creeps me out. And something about like being like, I guess maybe because I've been in these kind of places in the country, in Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi, being out in the middle of nowhere and like the southern cornfields and like sugarcane fields and all that kind of tobacco fields. It's creepy out there. It really is. Yeah. And something about this weird creature being out there now, it, it, it creeps me out even more. It's creepy enough without having an actual creature like that. I don't know. But yeah, this one still gets me every time. And the creature is creepy. Uh, Justin Long and uh, Gina Phillips. Their monologues are great. And so yeah. are their long yeah. conversations. Like, they're actually interesting. Yeah. And like I, I believe that they're actually as scared as they are. Yeah. I still, I still like it. It's a, it's a good one. Yeah, I, I agree with what Austin is saying, that the first act is the standout, and then it kind of gets worse the more you find out, the more lore that's introduced, and the more you see the creeper. That being said, I do think from a filmmaking perspective, they do handle the, uh, the creeper elements pretty well. Like, the first time it feels like we see him full on is this amazing sequence where it feels like they're totally safe driving back to the church with the cops. And the creeper just pops up on top of the cop car and watching him completely take them out while the car is in motion. Pretty cool. Um, and that continues whenever they get to the random stranger's house and all that. It really, I think like the main main negative is really just the lore because it gets so convoluted and it, it feels like it's really simple in what they're trying to say. But like the execution, how they explain it is way too much. And then they bring in this weird psychic character, which I appreciate what they were trying to do. But again, it just feels like, what's the point of this by the end? And when you get to the final shot and when you see what happened, it's like, oh, I guess the the prophecy happened, but it doesn't feel like a big moment because it was just not set up super well. Uh, so how do we guys compare a modern classic against just a normal classic? We have The Thing going up against Jeepers Creepers. 
This was my first time watching the thing. This is what I was referring to earlier. I had never seen this before. Uh, it's one I've always wanted to watch. Never had an excuse. I like John Carpenter movies, the ones I have seen. We just talked about Halloween 1978 recently, of course. Um, yeah. What did you guys think of this? Had you seen it before? The Thing is a movie that I every time I go to watch it, I always expect to not enjoy it. And I always come away appreciating it more and more each time. I don't know how, but the effects, you can tell they're old effects. But they oh. still look awesome today. They look yeah. so good. Um, and we have a bunch of other older movies on this bracket today. Those all look so bad. All, like not, The best effects <laughs> in this bracket for the classic movies is in The Thing. I don't know yeah. how, but it's aged incredibly well. The story is super interesting. All of the characters are smart. The idea of being trapped in this research base is super fun. I think The Thing is a classic for a reason. And I'm assuming, Matt, that this is the one you were calling a masterpiece at the beginning. The Thing, my friends, is a bona fide masterpiece i had never seen it before i wish i had and i will continue to watch it for years to come i absolutely loved it it's really similar to predator arnold schwarzenegger's predator but i like this plot a little bit better just because like all the guys are turning against each other and the fact that this alien is taking over one body at a time the location i think it was a little bit cooler too they're in the middle of nowhere in antarctica and they have nowhere to go. Their their helicopters busted. Their communications are busted. I was entertained the entire time. Um, so it was it was a cool premise. It's so cool because it's a pretty big cast, and you wonder whenever it starts. It's like, okay, I know this is a monster movie, so I assume like a lot of these people will just be killed. But and even though you don't get to know a lot of them to any significant degree, I do think they at least put them in the right role. Like for example. Wilford Brimley plays Dr. Blair, and my God, I just love the fact that this guy isn't even turned into the thing in the beginning, at least, and watching him find out how the thing works, how quickly, if it escaped, it would assimilate into society and then basically just destroy civilization in the world, that turns him crazy to a point that everybody assumes he's the thing, and it's just such a smart smart element and they lock him away and then of course by locking him away the thing makes it to him and he becomes the thing so it's just god it's just out of control good kurt russell just kind of playing the every man that gets dragged into being the leader of course he's great in that role uh it's just such classic 80s kurt russell he's so good the setup is perfect when i was first watching it, i was like what am I supposed to think watching a guy sitting out of a helicopter shooting at a fucking dog? Like, this is weird. And then it goes on and then it gets past the intro. The helicopter blows up. It's like, what is happening? And then the dog, of course, it's like, oh, okay. So that's kind of the whole instigating incident. And I, yeah, there, there's so many little details I wrote down because I just thought it was so great. I think the last thing I'll say is I think the best jump scare for me out of any movie we watched was uh, doing the blood test scene and then they get to Palmer's because they don't set up what's going to happen when they're kind of doing the whole heating thing and then putting it through the blood. It's like, okay, nothing happened. I guess you're good. And then they get to somebody who is the thing and watching it go (laughs) from a Petri dish to just jumping out of it. And then cutting to the guy that's the thing and watching his entire face come apart, I was like, wow. The design in this movie, like Austin said, is just out of control good. Yes, it's aged effects, but it's so practical. It's, it's, it's horrifying. It's so good. Well, it sounds like we're unanimously 
sending on the thing unless I'm misinterpreting everyone's thoughts. Not for me. Like I said, really did actually like Jeepers Creepers, but the thing for me was just a masterpiece for my first viewing. So that's what I'm voting for. But no, disrespect Jeepers Creepers. I think I'm going to have to go with the thing as well. Love Jeepers Creepers definitely gives that Halloween feel to it, but I think the thing is just a way better movie. And I think it also gives out that Halloween kind of vibe. Two monster movies here. The thing is just the better monster movie. And it will go on to face a Steven Spielberg-produced poltergeist that somehow has terrible special effects. All right, so for the last of our wild card round, let's get into the scary side of things. So we have Lake Mungo from 2008. This one's directed by Joel Anderson. It stars Talia Zucker, Rosie Trainer, and David Pledger. And when Alice dies, her family struggles to move on as she keeps being a creep and showing up in their pictures and videos. Stop it, Alice! And then we have The Descent, which was released in 2005. It's directed by Neil Marshall. It stars Shauna McDonald and Natalie Mendoza. The film follows a bunch of friends as they go cave diving. Not much more to say here. This film is a PSA as to why you should never go in a cave. You will die. Okay, I'm going to start here because I have to start here. Uh, Austin did a great job. That's what my preface will be. Austin talked about how he didn't know what to submit for the scary bracket, so he did the descent after doing research. I will say that I earnestly did the same thing. I wanted to find a movie that was different, and like I said, I don't go out and look for scary movies, so I don't know what people actually consider scary. So I went on Reddit and was like, what is one of the best scary movies? And I found Lake Mungo come up several times. I mean, this is not a joke. I found it come up several times, and I looked into it more, saw some reviews. This movie has like a 96% on Rotten Tomatoes, and I was like, okay, okay, well, I mean, I guess it's good. People are saying it's scary. The word I kept seeing was unsettling. People were saying this is like the most unsettling movie I've seen in years. I was like, okay, I gotta put this in for the scary bracket. And, unfortunately, it's not scary at all. So that's what I'll <laughs> say going into this. Uh, I don't know if you guys, I, th- I thought it was a good movie, but I don't think it's the odd one out on the entire bracket, and I submitted it, so I will own up to it. I don't think it fits in to a scary side of a bracket. So I don't know how you guys feel. Go ahead. Yeah, Lake Mungo was interesting because, like you said, it's it's not very scary. It is very well made, especially for kind of like the found footage documentary style movie. Yeah. Uh, for that type of filmmaking, it it is very well made. The thing that I found frustrating about Lake Mungo is it does have like a 10 minute sequence that is unsettling and creepy and then it ends. It's like we finally got to the creepy stuff and then the credits roll. And so I just, I was left being like, okay, well, what was the point of this movie then? Yeah. This movie was... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So the late Mongo. Yeah, this movie, Austin, you nailed it. It was very frustrating for me. Alice is showing up in pictures. Look, she's in this picture, too. (laughs) Look, she's in the next picture. (gasps) There she is again. And then the movie ends. Like, oh, my God. That was it? She just shows up in a bunch of pictures. She's in the videos. We get it. She's a ghost in the house. Did I find it disturbing? Yes, I found it very disturbing. Just the way they kind of framed it and like the the documentary style to it was kind of cool. But the, the story that they did on it, though, which is pretty uneventful. So that's where I'm at on it. And Matt, I'll just say, for your future research in the scary movies, you got to be careful with festival darlings mm. when it comes to scary movies. The Lake Mungo 
was a festival baby. It came out to all the film festivals, got great reviews, really terrifying, but you got to watch out if it's a festival darling. Yeah, I definitely need to watch out for the festival darlings going forward. Uh, it's funny because after I watched it, I was like, I did not like that. So then I went back onto Reddit and just typed in Lake Mungo Reddit. And then all of these threads that did not show up beforehand were like, I saw Lake Mungo. People said it was good. Why? <laughs> like, there were so many of those. I was like, why didn't they come up earlier? Um, the Descent, on the other hand, never seen it. Great movie. Great, great movie. I had never seen it either. This movie I've always heard about, always been meaning to check out. Yeah. I am so glad it lived up to my expectations. Um, I love the setting of this movie. Doing like a spelunking caving expedition, really unique for a horror setting, gets you in those tight spaces. And then the first time the actual monsters appear on screen, fantastic jump scare. Had me like up out of my seat when they're panning with that camera and it's just standing right behind the girl. Oh, so great. I, I really enjoyed The Descent. Yeah, this movie was nuts, man. Like, talk about claustrophobic to the max. And oh, yeah. Just like the scariest moment from the beginning whenever the Sarah girl gets stuck. Oh, my God, that got my heart rate up. And that was just the beginning. Like, my heart was already up from just her getting stuck. And then it just increased exponentially from there. Honestly, I think there's kind of a fun argument to be made that you don't even really need the monsters in The Descent. I think just telling this story the exact same way where the Juno character reveals that, oh, this isn't the cave I told you we'd be going in. I thought it would be fun. I thought it'd be adventurous. And then they have to find their way out of an uncharted cave, finding like old mining equipment and climbing equipment along the way. It's like, well, what does that mean? I guess these people didn't make it out. The cave's not named. I don't even know if you need the monsters. I think this movie was fucking horrifying without it. So because of that, the monsters element is a little bit goofy, but I will say it did definitely grow on me. After they kind of spent more scenes with them, introduced kind of the horde, how they are there, how they've kind of just like, I guess, evolved and they've been able to adapt in the caves so they can kind of play around with the whole being silent aspect. I was like, okay, you know what? I didn't even really like the monsters, but by the end, I was like, pretty damn cool choice. And Keith, you said my favorite thing about it is how Neil Marshall and the team filmed the movie and lit it the way that they made you feel claustrophobic. The fact that I was that scared before monsters were even introduced is a testament to the quality, I feel like. All right. Well, I think it's time to vote. And it sounds like we have another unanimous on our hands. Yep. This is easy. The Descent for me. There you go. The Descent for me as well. So here we are, time for round two. Let's see how the one-seaters face off against the winners from the wildcard round. All right. We have Hocus Pocus, which came out in 1993, directed by Kenny Ortega. It stars Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, and Kathy Najimy. A dopey kid accidentally revives three legendary witches and has to band together with his crush, sister, and a cat named Thackeray Binks. <laughs> Thackeray Binks is a name they try to sell to us as a kid from 1600 Salem. I'm Thackeray Binks. (laughs) That's my favorite part about this movie. It makes me laugh every time. (laughs) So another Halloween classic. That was my first time seeing this movie. 
for this bracket. I got to say, wow. Okay, so like Hocus Pocus was, I mean, for when we were born in the early 90s, this was like the Halloween movie. So I'm even more surprised that you hadn't seen this one ever, Austin. So again, how about you go ahead and start us off? I mean, did it live up to the hype? Because obviously you've heard about Hocus Pocus growing up. Oh, yeah, I've heard about Hocus Pocus. I think I was a bit underwhelmed. I thought it was a fun movie. It's definitely a Halloween movie for sure. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think overall, I just kind of found the witches like they have some fun lines and they're goofy characters, but they just as like our main driving force for the plot. I just wasn't very interested in the three witches being our main characters. I still watch Hocus Pocus every year uh, around Halloween time. It's always always just been a classic for me. And I, I have the same reactions every time. It's always just one I can put on. Actually, in fact, I was at a networking event today. And it was on, it was like a Halloween themed networking event and Hocus Pocus was on in the background. So it's definitely one of those Halloween movies you can put on the background and everybody knows it. And it definitely gives you that Halloween spirit because kids are out trick-or-treating. It's witches, obviously. I still love it. Still a classic. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah. um, This is a fun one for me because Hocus Pocus was a movie I saw as a kid maybe once and then I saw it like for the second time maybe like two years ago and since then i've watched it every halloween including of course this halloween like keith mentioned and whenever i first started watching it again i was like this movie sucks like it's not good it's nostalgic there's fun elements performances are good but it's bad um and now i feel like i've kind of turned the corner on it yes i still have a nostalgia for it but i do think there is a lot to like about this movie namely being the performances i think bet midler as a lead witch is pretty awesome. I think she's great. Sarah Jessica Parker is like, I mean, the more famous actress now, but Bette Midler is like, she's the great actress in this one. She's really good. Um, and despite it not being like a Disney channel original movie, like something like Halloween town, this one has a bit more of the budget and fun of like a, like a traditional, just straight up Disney movie. I just think the vibe combined with that kind of element really does make this feel like essential Halloween viewing. And it certainly kind of encompasses a lot of the Halloween vibe in general. Like there are scary moments. There's the kids moments that we've talked about in the side of the bracket. Like it just has the trick or treating vibe, the whole like resentful of family vibe. It has like generations too. like their main character. Max is kind of outgrowing the Halloween vibe. He doesn't really like it. But then his younger sister is like super into it. So then the fact that like he has to get with her and then he has to get with his crush, who's somebody from Salem, who's super into Halloween and they have to go against the witches, I think it's a really fun premise. And the witches themselves are super cool. I love the dance and song numbers. So, yes, I don't think it's a great movie. I never have, but it has grown on me, and it has a lot of like just traditional and super essential Halloween moments for sure. Yeah, I think despite the fact that I was underwhelmed by Hocus Pocus, I can see why it's a great Halloween movie and why it specifically is a great Halloween kids movie. And even though I didn't have that nostalgia for it, having not seen it before, I can still understand the sense of nostalgia that this movie gives you. It's it's a different era. It's the 90s, you know, even though, like you said, even though it's not a Disney Channel original, it still has that feel to it. So I I totally get all the elements that are working for this movie. Austin and I voted Gremlins on in the first round. I kind of begrudgingly did because it's like, it's not a Halloween movie, but I think it's better. This round, I'll start us off because... I do think it's another situation. I think Gremlins is a better movie than Hocus Pocus, but I think Hocus Pocus is a considerably better movie than Halloween Town. 
And because it has so many good Halloween, just like that vibe and those moments going for it with the witches and the other characters and just where it's set, I am going to be voting Hocus Pocus this time. Yeah, this is an easy one for me. Hocus Pocus gives that Halloween vibe, like you said. There's Halloween parties, there's trick-or-treating, they have the creepy witch's house, the, the cauldron, the witches, obviously, um, and then all the spells, uh, the graveyard. It's just an overall Halloween creepy uh, kind of feel. So, Hocus Pocus. Yeah, I think I could make a case for Gremlins being a Halloween movie against any other movie in this bracket, except Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus is definitely a more Halloween movie than Gremlins, so I'll vote for Hocus Pocus as well. Well, Hocus Pocus will go on to the semifinals. So let's find out what it'll go up against. It is time to get to the horror comedy side of the bracket once again. Let's talk about, my friends, The Cabin in the Woods from 2011. Of course, this one's directed by Drew Goddard. Pretty big cast. You've got Kristen Connolly, Chris Hemsworth, Fran Kranz, Jesse Williams, Anna Hutchinson, Richard Jenkins, and the great Bradley Whitford. A virgin and a stoner have to put a stop to the meanie technicians trying to ruin their quiet vacation. What were they thinking? So, guys, Cabin in the Woods is going up against Beetlejuice. So another, another situation we find ourselves in, what a lot of people consider a modern horror comedy classic with Cabin in the Woods going up against just a normal classic with Beetlejuice. Austin, you submitted Cabin in the Woods. Do you want to start? It sounds like you were very up on it. Do you want to set us up? Cabin in the Woods is... Not only is it a good Halloween movie, not only is it a good scary movie, not only is it a good comedy, it is just an all-around great movie. It does so much more with its premise than other horror movies of this genre do. Um, I think the way the story unfolds is super interesting. The way it has like its own world and built-in lore is fantastic. And then all of the characters here each have their own kind of standout funny moments. Um, I always have so much fun with Cabin in the Woods. You can always put it on. You can put it on in a group. You can put it on by yourself. And it's just one of those movies that I think is just pretty endlessly rewatchable. Yeah, man. I hadn't seen Kevin in the Woods in a long time. What an interesting movie, too. When we get towards the end of the movie, when they start showing all the different monsters that, that they could have released, like witches and clowns and zombies and goblins and all these creepy, creepy things. And I completely forgot all about that. Um, so yeah, it was really it was a really fun watch. Yeah, I don't have anything super negative to say. It's not bad by any means. I guess it just doesn't really do anything for me anymore. It just didn't feel as smart to me this time, which is okay. I don't think they set out to make like this brilliant take on Halloween or anything. It's just I don't know. It didn't work for me as well this time. And then by the time we get to the end where it is like, okay, let's see these characters confront the technicians trying to kind of manipulate their lives. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm excited to watch it. It's fun to see the monsters get really kind of violent and gory, like from all these like different worlds. And they make reference to other like monsters from video games, movies, TV, all that good stuff. It's super cool. But yeah, I just didn't find myself feeling too much on this viewing for whatever reason. And the ending now feels really weird to me it doesn't feel satisfying the whole like here comes sigourney weaver like first of all that's super cool that she's in it and then just like okay we don't agree we're just finding out this information we don't agree and then we just watch our two main characters just accept as these new gods i guess come to destroy the world i i think it's good it just for whatever reason it wasn't as funny to me on this watch and it didn't feel 
as smart or inventive. And whenever I'm talking about something like Beetlejuice, it gets kind of interesting. So yeah, I don't know. Didn't hate it by any means. Just, you know, didn't love it as much. I think the unique thing about Cabin in the Woods is it can work for so many different groups of people. Like I've been in so many situations where it's Halloween season. We want to put on a scary movie. Okay, we're with people who don't really like scary movies. What are we going to put on? Well, we've got Cabin in the Woods because it has some creepy elements, but overall, it's really just a fun movie. And I think that's the best thing I can say for Cabin in the Woods is that it is just really fun. Um, It's super enjoyable. And I think it is because of some of the horror elements. I think it does kind of fit that Halloween criteria very well. Such an accessible Halloween movie, uh, like you said. Tons of people can watch it and enjoy it. If you don't love scary things, you don't love funny things, you don't love like kind of cheesy kids things like you can enjoy a lot of parts of that. I think that's true. I do kind of think a lot of that might be true about Beetlejuice too. the way Tim Burton kind of made it. I think there are some similar elements there. This is a sneaky, like perfect matchup. Like on the surface, you would think these films don't have a lot in common, but when you get a little bit deeper, they kind of do. Yeah, because they both have like these creepy elements. They both bring in things from other horror movies. So like with Beetlejuice, they go to like the like the purgatory dead office place where there's all these like different ghosts and like different weird people same thing with captain in the woods you go to this weird organization they have all these different monsters and same shit going on goblins witches yeah, that's true clowns think about that they all had like the same it's like the same place but just captain in the woods kind of does it in more of like a modern era and more like an organized way where beetlejuice is more of like a funny kind of just slapstick kind of way as far as comparing them, though, is like which one's better? I don't know. They're both like really fun movies. They're both funny. They both kind of make fun of the whole ghost and haunting sort of deal. That's kind of where I'm at. I'm 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 kind of tied. I definitely agree with you guys that they might be kind of eerily similar, more so than we thought. But Beetlejuice has a lot. I guess not not necessarily a lot more characters. But there are a surprising number of lead characters in Beetlejuice, and they really did find a way to make them all feel super important and different. Like, we're rooting for Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis to not necessarily move on, but find happiness in their situation. Winona Ryder is this more of, like, kind of like a darker, this child character, and it's like, well, what does she want? And then when it gets to, like, this really dark element, like, well, I want to be dead, too, and they kind of handle almost suicide in a really... Um, kind of poignant way and then like we see her at the end it's like wow what a great arc and then even seeing Catherine O'Hara and and Ed Rooney like you said Keith finding where they end up and of course Beetlejuice and the characters in the afterlife I think they handled a lot more characters and I felt more about more of the characters whereas by the end of Cabin in the Woods it's like yeah I I was excited to see the stoner and uh, Kristen Connolly's character and see where they went but that was kind of it not that that's a bad thing it's just that I think I felt more for more people in Beetlejuice, so that might be edging it up for me. Yeah, I mean, I think I have to kind of agree with you there. I think uh, the story for Beetlejuice just does more for me. I did like how Beetlejuice wrapped up, where where Beetlejuice himself is in the purgatory state. Yeah, where he should be. He's he's a creep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and everybody else gets like a happy ending, kind yeah, of. Yeah, he gets that dust put on him and his head goes really small that was good yeah and then Winona Ryder's character she's like happy and her parents like former former relationship with the ghost and the ghost former relationship with her and her parents and they have like a a mutual understanding that this is all of their this this is all of their house yeah I just like the story Beetlejuice I've seen it so much it has that classic nostalgic vibe so if we're gonna go and throw votes I'm gonna go and throw a vote for Beetlejuice whoa I do think Cabin in the Woods has 
funnier moments than Beetlejuice does, especially with the guys at the office. Yes, I think I'd agree with that. Richard Jenkins and Bradley Whitford, to me, are by far the best part of Captain in the Woods. I, I, I still really do like it. I do, I do like Captain in the Woods quite a bit. Yeah, I think Cabin in the Woods just does a bit more for me than Beetlejuice does. Especially the first time I watched it, I was blown away with the premise. I thought it was so cool. And the fact that they actually pulled it off and it worked. Um, yeah, I think I'm just going to bring in my history here with Cabin in the Woods and throw my vote for Cabin. Nothing wrong with that. So we have a tie vote. Um, I guess it probably it's no surprise for me. While I did definitely like Cabin in the Woods, I've seen it potentially more times than Beetlejuice, if I'm if I'm thinking about it, even though Beetlejuice is older. But Beetlejuice always does do a lot for me. I feel like just it's funny because I have been probably the most negative on Beetlejuice because I don't love how the character of Beetlejuice is handled in the movie. It still seems a little bit weird to me writing wise, but I still think it's such a fun Halloween movie and the emotional moments work more for me and I think kind of the scares and the fun Tim Burton elements of the effects and all that stuff is super cool. So I'm going to vote for Beetlejuice as well. I'm going to save Beetlejuice three times no. and get him to remove you from this episode. No. All right. Well, Beetlejuice will go on to the semifinals against Hocus Pocus. All right, Austin, how about you hit us with the return to the classic side of the bracket? Where are we going? Time for a one-seater to face off against the thing. Who do we got? All right, so we have Poltergeist from 1982, directed by Toby Hooper, stars Joe Beth Williams, Craig T. Nelson, and Heather O'Rourke. A mysterious race of something another communicates with a little girl via the television. They kidnap her by locking her in the closet and get up to other fun shenanigans. I gotta start us off here. Poltergeist sucked. This Whoa! movie, I thought, was so boring. I had a terrible time watching it. Wow. There is not a single scary element in here. None of the effects have aged very well. All of the characters I just found super annoying, especially the mother. The fact that they're playing with the ghost I found weird. The fact that the ghost is just a bright light that shimmers through the house I thought was dumb and not terrifying. Even in the 80s, that must have not been scary. This is a no-brainer for me. My vote's the thing. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. All right. Well, Keith, what do you think of this? Austin's reaction does not surprise me. Oh. And guess what? what? I have to agree with him. What? And I submitted this movie, but I'd only seen Poltergeist once or maybe twice, but a long time ago as a kid. I'm with Austin. I really did not enjoy this watch. Like you said, Austin, like the, the ghost was just not scary. The effects were weird. I went and looked up reviews from the 80s at the time for this movie, and it was like, oh my God, the technology. I have never seen something so real. I mean, it was like the 80s. (laughs) They didn't know any better. But look at the the thing. Look at the thing, though. Same time period. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. The thing does not look anywhere near as bad. You're selling me. You're selling me. (laughs) The thing also came out in 1982, and Poltergeist looks like it came out in 1890. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. The thing is going to move on here. Don't you worry about it. (laughs) I'll go ahead and apologize. I mean, for putting us through this. (laughs) I don't accept your apology. I liked it a lot. You don't have to apologize to me. This is two hours Keith robbed for my life. <laughs> this is two hours that Keith owes me for my I feel time. Like Keith has robbed way more than two hours from your life. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm with Austin. The thing goes on. Why is everyone eating all of their food? Lots of strangers are coming into their house and eating like their snacks. Like the guys that come in that are like monitoring the ghosts. One of them goes in, opens their fridge, eats like a piece of chicken. And then pulls out, no joke, 
a full steak. And the implication is he's going to cook a steak. It's like, bitch, you don't live here. You can't just eat a full steak. Maybe, maybe a yogurt cup, maybe an apple. But you can't make a full steak at 4 a.m. Also, you're going to wake everybody up. Craig T. Nelson's going to be like, why does it smell like steak at 4 a.m. in my home? Matt, can you imagine all the times I stayed the night at your house as kids? I was lucky to get crackers out of your house. Could you imagine if I walked into your kitchen and started cooking a steak in front of your mother? I would have appreciated it, but that would have been the boldest thing you would have ever done. And then you probably would have died. (laughs) I I actually did like Poltergeist, like genuinely. I had never seen it. thought it was pretty good. Um, Not as far in the negative as you guys, but I definitely 100% agree. The thing is better and moves on here, no question. So, for our final one-seater, let's get into the scary side of the bracket once again. Keith, introduce us to what is going to go against The Descent. The Exorcist. Came out in 1973. Directed by William Freakin. Starring Ellen Burstyn, Max von Sydow, Jason Miller, and Linda Blair. A very vulgar and frankly rude demon possesses Reagan. Her mother, a very young-looking old priest, and Sylvester Stallone's look-alike must put a stop to it. I do think it's funny. Um, this was my first time seeing The Exorcist all the Me way too. through. Me too. It is regarded as like the seminal classic. Um, I thought it was really good, certainly better than Poltergeist. I do think it's funny, though, that like 1973, it's like the scariest things they came up with were, what's the little girl going to say? And I, I was just kind of chuckling to myself that like for the 70s, it's like, this is so scary. And no joke, I mean, the movie was... I guess now it's NC-17, but the movie was almost given an X rating uh, because of like how taboo that was perceived as an underage person saying, I mean, still today, these really <laughs> out there <laughs> vulgar things that you can't say. Um, and then elements like you were talking about, Austin, I was like, oh, that's kind of what it is. I mean, it, it almost went past an R rating. So definitely a big deal at the time. It kind of has like a Godfather feel to it. Is how I felt while watching it. Yeah, going off of that point, I had never seen it. I, Of course, I guess I've probably seen clips here and there, but I've never, ever sat through it. And the thing that stood out to me the most that I think I liked the most was, I guess I just anticipated Reagan to get possessed pretty early in the movie. And then we explore that for a long time. But I really, really ended up loving how it feels like three stories that pretty organically intersect. So we have Max von Sydow's character in the beginning, who is the elder priest, who is not seen on screen too much, used in just the right amount as kind of the end-all, be-all, which I thought was pretty cool. And then, of course, most of it is uh, Chris and then Reagan, the daughter who gets possessed very slowly. The escalation there was really awesome, seeing how it starts off as... Not a huge thing in going to the doctors and seeing how it's like, well, we're going to treat this medically. I mean, half the movie, it's like, we're going to find this out from like a medical or like physiological perspective. And it's not until the very end. It's like, maybe an exorcism is the way to go. I thought that was cool. And then I really liked how Father Karras, like, I mean, this, we joke that Sylvester Stallone lookalike, uh, the way he's kind of seeded into the story. I thought it was pretty organic. And the way it all comes together at the end is really tragic, but really natural. And I didn't expect that for this old of a movie, and I I really genuinely did love that aspect of it, of watching these different stories come together. Yeah, I'm in full agreement. Do I think it's scary? No, I don't think think it's really scary, but it is kind of creepy. 
from like a demonic possession kind of standpoint. So I think it does definitely have that Halloween kind of feel, especially with like the way Reagan looks when she's possessed by the devil. It's just like that green, the vomiting and, and just all the cuts in her face and just creepy looking. The fact that this movie is 50 years old is insane. The way it's shot, I mean, it looks kind of modern. Like, the way Freak can, like, shoot scenes. Not the lighting and the actual, like, graininess of, like, the film stock. Like, that, of course, looks old. But the way, like, it moves around, they tell the story visually. I mean, it's kind of modern. I've never said that on a podcast before. It just, it really stood out to me. I don't know. I don't even know what specifically. It just felt like a newer movie, even though it looks like a 1973 movie, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the thing uh, that's detracting from it for me, though, is if I'm going to sit down to watch a scary movie, I need to actually like be scared and feel um, unsettled. And I didn't get that from The Exorcist. I can understand why parts of it would have been scary in the 70s, but The Descent actually scared me when I watched it. Yeah. So I think I'll probably be casting my vote for The Descent. I definitely get where Austin is coming from. As far as The Descent being scarier, I definitely agree there. Descent is way scarier. But as far as like Halloween films goes, I think The Exorcist might take it for me. I don't know. It just has that Halloween vibe to it. I mean, it's just like this demonic, creepy, green, creepy little girl. <laughs> I do think a possession movie is probably more Halloween-y, Keith. But I also feel like you got to have a good monster movie in there. And The Descent is a pretty good monster movie. I feel like, because the issue here is The Descent versus The Exorcist. What's more Halloween-y? I mean, that's kind of a hard call. None of them take place on Halloween. None of them really deal with any of that. So it's how do I kind of move forward in that aspect? And I think what I'm going to do is The Descent scared me a lot more. Ah, I can't believe I'm saying this. I think The Exorcist, while I loved it, it just, it was like over two hours, and I felt like there was too much setup that had nothing to do with the Halloween stuff. It doesn't, like, this is not me reviewing The Exorcist. It's just like The Descent always feels like a movie you could watch on Halloween. It feels super scary. It's always kind of escalating in a great way. They introduce the monsters late in the game, and it feels natural, and then you get to the end, and it's like, oh, one final scare, and it's like, okay. I think the descent. I'm the descent begrudgingly gets my vote. Oh, all right. No. Well, the descent will move on to face the thing in the semifinals. Here is where the conversation I think needs to shift. Mm. So now, and we're into the semifinals. We gotta officially narrow down the best Halloween movie of these four films. So first and foremost, while we're thinking about that in the background, I'll post the question to you guys. Semifinals, we have Hocus Pocus from the kids bracket versus Beetlejuice from the horror comedy bracket. I already shared I was underwhelmed by Hocus Pocus. I also already shared I was pretty impressed with Beetlejuice and had a good time with it. Both of these movies, I think, are very atmospheric. Both of these movies, I think, do have that Halloween theme. Um, Beetlejuice, I think, is more fun than Hocus Pocus, which I think is pretty important for a Halloween movie, especially if you're not leaning in towards the scary moments. I think you have to have a fun movie. Uh, I guess my vote's going to be Beetlejuice. 
Okay, good. No, I'm glad you said that because I was I was nervous that you were gonna say like I liked it more, but it's a less Halloween-y. Because I think that's okay. I think even though we're this far in the bracket, I think it's okay for something to be like less Halloween focused as long as it's super good and has a lot of elements. Because that's what I'm kind of grappling with is I like Hocus Pocus and I might have like the most <laughs> Halloween uh, like familiar things or elements than any other movie on the bracket. But Beetlejuice is super good and has a lot of them. So I don't know. Is this one as easy for you, Keith? Or is it kind of a hard discussion between Beetlejuice and Hocus Pocus? No, this one's pretty easy for me. I'm with Austin. I think Beetlejuice takes it. I love Hocus Pocus. Definitely a classic Halloween film. Uh, I would say equally as Hall- Halloween-y as Beetlejuice, but I think Beetlejuice takes it as a better movie. And as far as which movie would I want to put on during Halloween, uh, personally, would have to be Beetlejuice. I love Hocus Pocus. It's a classic kid kids movie, but not one I would want to like have to watch all the way through all the time. So I think Beetlejuice will always make me laugh. I love the story in it. I love the performances. So yeah, that's where I'm at. I'm going to agree with you guys. Beetlejuice moves on. But I am actually kind of excited. Maybe next year we'll talk about it. Hocus Pocus is getting a Disney Plus sequel with uh, all three witches coming back. Bette Midler, Sarah Jessica Parker, Kathy Najimy. Probably not going to be great. They have a different writing and directing team, so that kind of begs questions. Probably going to be bad, but I'm at least interested. I will say that. I, I I will definitely watch it. Even if we don't do an episode on it, I will watch it out of curiosity. Will it be better than Home Sweet Home Alone? N- yes. Yes. <laughs> There's no way it can't be. It has to be. <laughs> or may my family disappear. I gotta defend it. Uh, <laughs> I agree with you guys. Beetlejuice, it's not like as traditionally Halloween-y as something like Hocus Pocus, but it has so many great elements, and it's just a great movie that I think deserves to move on, so I'll lock that in as well. Okay, so Beetlejuice is officially in the finals, but what's it going to be facing? Well, it's time to figure that out. We've got The Thing, and we've got The Descent. Two movies with the word the in their titles. Very true. Very true. Uh, Lots of interesting details to call out here, just to kind of continue the conversations over both of these. Uh, The first thing I want to ask you guys is about... The Descent. What did you guys think of the character of Juno? Who I think is a character that they almost comically took over the top in terms of not only did she go, guys, I'm sorry I took you into an uncharted cave. I thought it'd be fun. That would have been one thing. But then it's like, Guys, I know there are monsters around us, but I murdered our friend on accident with a pickaxe. And then the next thing is like, guys, I know I did what I just said, but I didn't stay and like kind of like try and save her because I was traumatized. And it's like, okay, I guess. And then the next thing is like, guys, I know that you all don't like me at this point, but yes, I did have an affair with your husband, Sarah, because I thought he was really hot, even before he got that rodge up through his head. This character is so comically weird to me. It's like they weren't comfortable being subtle with her, so they just had to make her make every wrong decision every turn. Being a main character, did that say not to you guys? I guess the reason I'm also bringing it up is because, well, I really liked the Descent. It kind of feels like the rest of, I guess, like the four or five other characters, they're not really developed at all. I think they're still enjoyable and good performances, but... 
this movie really is about, you know, Sarah and Juno when it comes down to it. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think the descent, it just, it doesn't really have great characters. I, I think the lead is like just okay. I think the performances are fine, but I think our, all of our characters are really, they're either comically goofy or just okay. I do think the descent has great scares though especially the jump scares and usually i'm not a fan of jump scares but i felt like the jump scares in the descent were pretty creative in the way they were used and i also did appreciate that if you go back and watch the opening elements of the cave you can see some of the monsters there kind of moving around if you know what to look for so i think there are some there i think there are a lot of scary elements of the descent to love yeah i totally agree i think it's probably one of the best claustrophobia building movies of all time (laughs) oh yeah but yeah i agree i think the thing has way better characters the story is much more engaging uh but yeah the descent has better scares yeah i'm in full agreement with all those points so i don't really know i don't know if i have too much to add i think going to your point Austin, my favorite part about the scares of the descent even though they are jump scares i i don't know if i can say this about any other movie that i can think of but i genuinely loved the jump scares were tying into the PTSD of the main character. Like watching her walk up to a window and you're kind of thinking about that. Oh, that might mean something to her. And then watching like the rods that killed her husband and child, like come through just a random window. She's looking at. I was like, Oh my God, like what an effective jump scare. And it also, you know, ties into that character in a meaningful way. So they really did think about that whenever she's looking down like a cavern and then you see like her daughter with like a birthday cake with like, like the candles that she never got to blow out. It's like, oh my God, like it's, it's really creative and, uh, you know, pretty cool. So I really did love the descent and had a great time with it. The thing I'm stuck on though, is the thing just feels more Halloweeny to me than the descent does. And neither one of them have a Halloween atmosphere. Neither one of them are focused on Halloween, but for whatever reason, the thing just feels more Halloweeny. Yeah. Something about the thing is way and the way it's filmed and the way the characters are interacting and, and, the alien is just kind of ignoring the fact that it's in the middle of like a, a desolate continent. Kind of gives it that Halloween vibe, I guess. I don't know. That isolating element adds to the scares and it kind of like, sure, you could watch the thing any time of year. I think you'd still get the same thing out of it. But I don't know. I, I think I agree with you. I think there is something special about watching it amongst other Halloween or horror movies. It does fit more in as opposed to The Descent, which is a great movie. It's just, yeah, I think I agree with you. It's kind of, I I don't fully know what the reasoning is. It just feels like there's more going on, like the big cast and the thing, the crazy setting, the way characters get killed off, like the crazy practical effects going into the monster itself and how there's so many questions. And then by the end, it's still kind of an unknown factor. I think, yeah, there is like the action elements too that I think kind of contribute to a more overall Halloween-y type feel. I don't know if you guys noticed this, but regarding the score for both of these movies, the score in The Thing is fantastic. It's amazing. The score in The Descent does not fit the movie at all. It's like a weirdly like fantastical, like it feels like it should be in The Lord of the Rings, not a horror movie. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't belong. It's like it's trying to glorify like their... It's like a sense of discovery. Yes. That's the best way to put it. Like a sense of discovery. It was so jarring. It honestly took me out of the movie. It's like I was watching like a like a rock climbing documentary or something like that. It not a not a scary cave diving monsters eating eating you kind of feel to it. So Yeah. With that said, I did really end up coming to love the Sarah character. At the beginning I was very confused about what was going on. I didn't even realize that like that was her husband and daughter until 
like they were in the car. I was like, oh, I thought Juno was the, I guess that was the point because they're having the affair. I just thought it was confusing. Uh, but then by the end, watching that iconic shot of her falling in the pool and then just slowly raising out of the blood. And then she's just kind of like a badass killing machine. Super cool. Really like that character. Not saying the score fits. That's just kind of the best thing I can say about, you know, going through the descent. The escalation's fantastic, and I really do like that one character. The side characters, though, left something to be desired. We're talking about the thing. You got Kurt Russell as your lead. You got his hat as the second lead. You have that chess master machine as the third lead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my friends. It's time to vote. I'll cast the first one. I'll be voting for the thing. I'm going with the thing. I will third you. It's the thing, my friends. And here we are. We're down to our last two films, deciding the best Halloween movie. We have Beetlejuice versus The Thing. So Beetlejuice does have that Halloween atmosphere. More traditional, yeah. The Thing does have kind of the monster movie element that does kind of fit that Halloween criteria. The ending of The Thing, guys. I want to know what you thought. What is your immediate reaction seeing Kurt Russell think that he has defeated the thing, sit down, trying to get warm, and then here comes Keith David. Keith David walks on over and it's like, where were you, childs? They have a quick conversation, share a drink, credits roll. I thought this ending was fucking awesome. <laughs> what did you guys think? I thought it was so good. I love the last line. I love that it's ambiguous. Let's see what happens. And of course, I would recommend anybody that maybe shared our experience with the thing, go check out Reddit, just other posts out there regarding the ending of the thing. Tons of super cool, interesting uh, reflections on that. I just thought it was cool. I don't know how I felt about it. I guess my initial thought was, well, I guess Childs is the thing. But I don't know. Then you watch it and it's like, well, I kind of believe his story. And then it's like, well, I guess I always believe most of their stories. And then it's like, you know what? Doesn't really matter. Don't really care. They don't trust each other. That's the point. What a cool ending. I was thinking that Kurt Russell's character was going to be the thing the entire time. I mean, there, there are elements of it set up where he could be. Yeah. Uh, of course, the blood test notwithstanding. But after the fact, it's like, okay, I mean, it could have happened. We don't know. But I agree with what you said, that Beetlejuice is obviously more the traditional Halloween movie, just in terms of the characters it's playing around with, the vibe, the way it's shot, the colors, all that stuff feels more like a Halloween movie. I think it's another classic example we've talked about since round one. I think The Thing, for me, is a better movie, and it does have the elements here and there that do make it feel like a one that you could enjoy at Halloween, but maybe not as many as something like Beetlejuice. That's where I'm obviously going to struggle here. Yeah, I think this matchup is really going to come down to personal preference because what I'm looking for from Halloween movies, I always lean into the scarier elements of this this holiday. And the fact that the thing has those monster movie elements, it does have some jump scares. Ultimately, I think that's what I just prefer from a Halloween movie. So the thing's going to get my vote. Whoa. Oh, awesome. Already out there. This one's easy for me. Got to go with Beetlejuice. Oh, wow. I think it touches on all four genres, really. It's a classic. It's got the comedic moments, obviously. Does it, does it have scary moments? Maybe not like your general horror flicks, especially not you know, as scary as a thing. Then it's obviously, I think it has some kid moments too. I think kids could watch Beetlejuice. They might not get some of the humor in it, but I think it is kid appropriate. So I think it does have a touch of every genre 
I think the thing does too. I don't, I don't know, think the thing Austin. has kids. <laughs> the thing's got kids. Those effects are good, but they're not scary. A kid can watch that. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I, 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 not me. Not me as a kid. <laughs> but then, as far as the Halloween feel to it, Beetlejuice definitely has that hollow, more of a Halloween feel to it more than the thing. The thing I could watch almost any time of year, and I'm not going to think about Halloween when I watch the thing. I don't think so. I think the thing is a holiday movie. I think the atmosphere of the thing, with it being a monster movie, I think those creepier elements lend to it being watched in the month of October. It's like when a it's like when a horror movie releases in February. You know it's going to be terrible because they didn't plan on it coming out there in the Halloween season. I don't know how else to, to say it. Like it just feels like Halloween. Beetlejuice is Halloween. Um, people dress like Beetlejuice for Halloween. They dress like Winona Ryder for Halloween. But Austin, I do agree with your points that the thing could definitely be watched during during the holiday season for sure. But I think I could also watch the thing anytime because I think the thing definitely has resemblance to Predator. Except it's a way better movie and more interesting. Yeah, Keith. I think you're wrong on that, I think you're a bastard, Keith. That's what I think. (laughs) Jeez. I was saying the thing has a very similar plot to Predator, but it's way better than Predator is what I was going to say before you got all arrogant and jumped in. Bastard. (laughs) You bastard. Keith, I think I care about you dearly, but I think you are misguided, partner. The The Thing is a masterpiece. Yeah, it's a great movie. How dare you? (laughs) The Thing is one of the best movies we have watched on this podcast. To say that it is not a Halloween movie, you know what, Keith? You might be damn right. You might be. But there are so many incredible moments. Kurt Russell as the lead, of course, is great. The setting is, of course, fantastic. The vibe, they just nail a bunch of different genres. But here's the thing. I just feel like my friend, my dearest friend on this podcast, I would say, Keith Baker, said something to me in the last few minutes that Beetlejuice is the embodiment of all four subgenres that we talked about. Except for scary. Name one scary aspect of Beetlejuice. (laughs) I even said that, though, in my argument. I said the scary part... Is is probably the least one out of the, the four, but he does have the creepy moments. Especially it if it's the a kid watching four. it, you'd be scared. It's the least four. I think the thing doesn't have those, even though the thing is literally, I would say, conservatively twelve times better than Beetlejuice. I feel not well. I will have kidney stones for the next year, waiting for Halloween round three, despite my intro. And despite the fact that I clearly, I mean, not even joking, I like Beetlejuice the least out of you guys, it is the better Halloween movie. Oh my god. Yeah! The thing is a masterpiece, but I think Beetlejuice might be better as a Halloween movie. Oh, I just, I don't agree with that at all. I love the thing, but it's not the better Halloween movie. Oh, I feel unwell. (laughs) (laughs) Austin, no joke. This is something that I could be battling with for the rest of my life. Well, you're going to have to live with the decision I will. that you, I made, will. you made this call. I made the right call. You two made the wrong call. You answered the call, just like uh, Melissa McCarthy is that one Ghostbuster. All right, well, there you go. It's been two years of Halloween talk, and Beetlejuice has come out as the winner. We may come back next year with 12 new movies. Who's to say? Will they beat Beetlejuice? No idea. But in the meantime, everybody, thank you so much for listening. 
If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss an episode from us. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, we really would appreciate that to continue to grow our show. Please leave us reviews as well, even if you don't want to write anything. Leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or just wherever you get your podcast really does help us out. At The Arnie's is our social, and TheArnie's.media is the website. We'll be back on Tuesday for a return to the MCU with the much-anticipated Eternals. I've heard some mixed things about this one. People are saying this is not that good for the MCU, but my thoughts are like, well, neither is Thor the Dark World, Ant-Man 2, so how bad could it be? I guess we'll see. Who the hell knows? I mean, it's a big cast, a new story, so we could be in for a surprise. Austin, any thoughts on future projects? Schedule time. Schedule time. Let's check in on the schedule with Austin. That's going to be my new jingle. <laughs> oh, I, I love like it. it. I love it. Uh, yeah, coming up, we've got Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man retrospective, and then we've got Tom Holland's Spider-Man retrospective, and then, my friends, we'll be fully prepared. It'll be time to take a look at Spider-Man No Way Home. So we've got a fun uh, next few months to close out the year. All right, Keith, if people have some issues with your decision to vote for Beetlejuice over the thing, how should they contact us? They... Yeah, if they have some issues, they should message us on Instagram at the Arnie's or email us thearniesmedia at gmail.com. Send us your favorite Halloween movies and let us know if you think we picked the right winner here. Anything you say, we'll read on the show and react to it live on our latest episode. That's right, everybody. Let us know what you thought. We're super curious because even we're kind of scatterbrained on all of our thoughts. So where do you stand? In the meantime, have a great week. We'll see you next time. And... Just to leave you with a little food for thought, uh, let's turn on the juice and see what Jake's lose. Happy Halloween! Happy Halloween.